Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. We're recording. Yes, we are recording. And if anybody realizes, that's not the soothing voice of Bill Sutton, but the soothing voice of Brendan J. O'Reilly, who's sitting in for Bill, who for the first time is not manning our Zoom controls to record our podcast. So it's a little different, but I think we can adapt. So how's everyone doing this morning? Doing well. How are you, Annette? Good. How are you doing? Yeah, it's it's kind of, I feel like we're in that in-between going into fall soon, you know? Weather's just a little bit cooler, traffic's a little bit lighter, which I'm good with. Yeah, I definitely have the fall vibe going on right now. I woke up this morning, I actually am wearing like a light sweater right now. Um, and there just was that like really great sleeping weather last night. And it's just, you feel September is here and the crowds have definitely diminished. I mean, it's still busier than it would have been probably two Septembers ago, but um, it's not August by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. So, well, let's say hello to everybody. So manning the controls this week, of course, is Brendan J. O'Reilly. Hey, Brendan. Hi, I'm Brendan. I'm the features editor. And also here is Catherine G. Manu, aka Georgie. Hey, Georgie. Hey, Annette. I'm Georgie. I am one of the co-publishers of the Express News Group. And my, my name is Annette Hankel, and I'm the arts and living editor. And also joining this week is senior reporter Mike Michael Wright. And um, Mike is joining us because he had a story in a recent issue of the paper about a kind of recurring scourge out here on the East End, and that's the Southern Pine Beetle. How you doing, Mike? I'm well. How are you? Good. Mike tends to write a lot about nature things and um, I guess, you know, fish and beetles kind of, you know, what else have we thrown your way? We don't have you do deer stories, do we? Beach erosion. <laughs> beach erosion. So are the are the southern pine beetles eating the beach or is that something else? They, they, ha- they haven't started eating the beach yet, but maybe when the pine trees are gone. Yeah, exactly. Well, that that's a good segue into into sort of what these little devils do. So, um, do you want to give us a little bit of the biology and, and sort of a history of these um, these tiny little beetles that are wreaking so much havoc? Um, yeah, sure. They are uh, again. Yeah, they they are a beetle, just like uh, the beetles we all hate our whole lives. But they uh, mostly live uh, used to mostly live in southern parts of the country, and they. They have a particular appetite for pitch pines, which are the type of pine tree that we have uh, primarily that make up our that make up our pine barrens and uh, a lot of the the woods around here. I mean, we do have a lot of oak trees, uh, but pine trees uh, still do have uh, substantial stands uh, throughout. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of the northern ends of the South Fork, um, you tend to see more pine trees. And uh, these bugs arrived on Long Island sometime around 2014. And they started boring into trees. And what they do is they, they sort of burrow through the bark and get under the bark and live there for several months, uh, uh, eating the nutrients coming through the trees, the sap, and eventually kill the tree. Any tree that gets infested, any pitch pine that gets infested by the beetles will die. 
And uh, in 2017, they had spread to such an extent that New York State Department of Environmental Conservation um, uh, allowed towns to create a state of emergency. And uh, that, that made um, uh, some state funding available, which uh, East Hampton in particular and Southampton to an extent uh, took advantage of to hire Sawyers, um, contracted you know, woodcutters that the state provided. <clears throat> and they went around whacking trees because that's pretty much the only way to um, combat an infestation. Once a tree has got them, uh, the tree is going to die anyway, so you cut it down and you cut down all the pine trees around it uh, to make sure that the beetles don't spread to it. And that's pretty much all you have to do because uh, they can't they can't fly very well, these beetles. Um, so they can hop from tree to tree. But if a tree is fallen, uh, cut down and uh, left lying on the ground, they can't jump from that to another tree unless it's very close by. Uh, so basically that's the approach. So it's almost like a, like a fire break that they do like when they're fighting fires, yep. just sort of clear out everything around them. Yeah, it's been compared to a, uh, actually just, just on Tuesday, uh, East Hampton Town Supervisor uh, Peter Van Skoyak compared it to a very slow moving wildfire. Wow. Because that is how it is. And it, and, it, and it sort of, you know, it reaches out in places where it, connects and the only way to do it is like you said to create a fire break around the outbreaks <clears throat> and you know in 2017 and 2018 uh east hampton town alone cut something like uh, you know i forget but i, I think it was 14,000 18,000 trees something like that they cut down thousands and thousands and thousands of trees in the northwest woods and if you drive down swamp road or any of those roads in uh in northwest woods it is a completely changed landscape. It, it really, you know, it looks like a wildfire was there. And, uh, you know, you can, as a friend of mine said, he's like, there's a lot of sunlight when you drive down Swamp Road now where there didn't used to be. And, right. um, you know, we, we did a story last year where we ran uh, aerial photos from like 2010 and 2018. And, you know, it's just, there's huge, huge patches of woods that are just, uh, are just dead or defoliated because part of the problem is that um, not enough trees got cut down because the town and the DEC went through all of the huge public lands, county and state public lands, and they cut trees as fast as they could. And that's why they cut thousands of trees. And they sent out appeals to private homeowners saying, please let us come cut your trees or inspect your property and see if, you're, uh, if your trees are infested, which many, many, many of them were. And a lot of homeowners let them in and they cut down a lot of trees. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of unhappiness there because all they did was cut down the trees and then the homeowners had to pay to haul them away. Mm -hmm. The town does waive dump fees for the debris, but it still costs thousands of dollars to hire somebody to come and chop up these fallen trees and uh, and and haul them away out of the woods. And then you have to replant if you want anything else to grow, then I guess you have to think about putting it. Through. And then ultimately you're going to, most people are going to want to replant. I mean, if you left it open, you know, the forest is going to regenerate. It's just going to start over with, you know, understory will come in and, you know, you'll, it'll probably get ultimately replaced by oak trees, but, you know, that can take decades and decades to really replace. So, 
if you really wanted to restore your uh, your property, if you were in the woods and liked that, uh, you know, the screening of, of dense trees, yeah, you'd have to plant dozens of trees. Um, so anyway, they, you know, 27, 2018, they, they, they cut down thousands and thousands of trees and there actually was um, a hope among East Hampton Town's land managers that they had uh, nipped it in the butt. And they thought that they had, they had um, caught the infestations in Northwest Woods and various places to the extent that, you know, the, the bugs that remained on some private properties wouldn't be able to spread and spark new huge infestations. They thought maybe, you know, homeowners, when they had a bunch of trees dying would catch on and, you know, their arborists would call and they would say, okay, we got to go in and we got to cut a bunch of trees here and there. Um, but then uh, this summer, they uh, discovered that that appears to not have been the case. And uh, the land managers going around doing inspections found thousands and thousands of more trees infested. And in new areas, um, East Hampton Airport in particular, they, they uh, told the town board on Tuesday that they marked more than 500 trees on the airport property, which had not had any infestation previously and another 1,500 trees in the woods around that in, in uh, northern Wainscott and uh, some other places in the town too where it's just clear that the, the bugs have spread to new areas. And, you know, the state of emergency is gone. The state is not um, offering to pay for or send their contracted sawyers to help the town cut down trees and the land management people said that even on the town land, like on the airport, the 500 trees, you know, there are three or four guys that they have to cut trees is just not gonna be enough. And um, they, they basically now are gonna be left to rely on whether they want the town to pay for hiring a bunch of sawyers or private property owners are just gonna have to be warned and say, you know, if you see these dead trees, and you have trees that are healthy, you need to cut and you need to cut as fast as you can because they will spread um, once you, once the sort of outward signs of a tree dying, which is brown pine needles, the beetles have probably already moved on from that tree. Um, so, you know, unless you're having your trees actually inspected by somebody that knows what they're looking for and there's pretty telltale, they get these little bumps of sap on the outside of the bark and, um, you know, you can, somebody that knows what they're looking for can tell if a tree's infested. Uh, but once it becomes obvious, like brown, brownness in your backyard, uh, you know, it's too late and they've already moved on to the healthy trees. Does the town want you to give them a call if you see trees that you suspect might be infested? Yep, yep. The town, the town is, the town will come, will send people to do free inspections. So you don't need to hire an arborist. The town will send their land management guys who will do a free inspection. They'll mark the trees that are infested and the trees around it that should be cut to prevent the infestation from spreading. But yes, you'll, you know, a private homeowner is going to have to pay to have their trees cut down and hauled away if they want. And if to. it's even on public land, then they'll have to deal with that. Like I, I've seen some trees that look suspicious to me along the sides of my road. So I'm thinking that that would be maybe. Yeah. And they're, and they're doing that. And, and um, you know, some some town officials mentioned that that you can see them on a lot of the right of ways and you know therefore that's a tree that's going to die and eventually you know that's that could potentially be a hazard if dead trees are falling into the road you know they're going to have to be cut there's there, i mean there's going to have to be 
even even though the town sort of acknowledged uh, that it seems that the bugs are here to stay, and you know, short of a probably many many millions of dollars um, sort of military effort to go in and just cut every single tree in the town, public property, private property, just raising huge areas of woods, you're not gonna get rid of these bugs now. They're, they're here and they're spreading and a lot of it is not able to be tracked. So, I mean, there's gonna have to be a lot of money spent regardless of that to remove dead trees that are gonna be a hazard. But Mike, before we got started on the podcast, you and I were talking about how like, I, I live in East Hampton and driving through Northwest Woods and imagining what the scale of this situation, what the kind of damage it could cause, um, you know, to the ecosystem and just the aesthetic of where we live. You know, I mentioned, it seems like all of Northwest Woods is gonna, you know, be targeted. And then you mentioned the Pine Barrens. So there wouldn't be any, way to appeal to the state that this is actually a state of emergency for both of the towns um and that's just something that we need to deal with right away and do the towns have the finances to really handle it in the way that you're saying it needs to be tackled i mean do the towns have the finances i guess that's relative right how how important do we see it and yes it's changing ecosystems and you know the pine barrens is the most important pine stand in Long Island and maybe in the Northeast. Uh, and the state has, uh, the state is, you know, trying to combat it there. And so that's, that's sort of been prioritized. And, you know, it's complicated out here because we have all these private properties that caused the problem to start with. If, you know, if the town guys had been able to go in in 2017 and 2018 and just march onto any property and flag every tree and say this tree is getting cut down maybe they stood a chance to have stopped it in its tracks um you know maybe not that the climate has changed and uh you know the reason that we didn't have them here is that they're not a particularly hardy bug and cold winters do kill them and we just don't have cold winters anymore uh to end that we had you know we had a couple of a couple of cold blasts there in in 2018 and 2019 which had added to the hopes that you know the the spread had been uh, had been cut off but we just don't get them enough anymore uh, you know as as peter van skoyak pointed out you know you can look at ice skating it just doesn't happen on local ponds anymore and that's that's part of it you know the 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 bugs can survive little cold snaps but they they can't survive a long, cold winter, a hard winter, as we used to call them, uh, and we don't get those anymore. And so they're probably here. And, you know, does that mean that the Pine Barrens are ultimately doomed? Uh, you know, who knows? It, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. I mean, I guess if you because of their because of the way that they are, if you build a, a real fire break around the Pine Barrens or pick the part of the Pine Barrens that you really need to protect and, and create a fire break of oak trees or whatever it is, uh, maybe you can stop them. But I don't know, I guess you get a strong wind, it can probably pick one mm -hmm. of these things up and, and blow him uh, blow him miles and miles and they land in a tree and there you go. the remediation efforts they made up and off of Swamp Road there 
2017, 2018, was that successful? Like, are they finding that even that didn't work? So I know that there was a lot of criticism about leaving the dead trees there and that that wasn't going to work. And I'm just wondering, are we seeing any infestations close to that region where they did all that work? And I thought leaving the dead trees was like part of the process, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, no, the leaving the dead trees is, uh, I mean, they, they do think that maybe leaving them for at least a certain amount of time is good because you go moving them, you're sort of helping the bugs that are there to move. It's better to just leave them there. They're not gonna, they're not gonna be able to spread from that spot. But ultimately those trees are, uh, you know, I mean, they're decaying and they're a problem. You know, I suppose there's, there's certainly a, you know, if you ever had a, an actual wildfire, that's a lot of fuel laying on the ground, rotting trees. And that's something that uh, you know the local fire departments have, have warned uh, have warned some of their staff about. But uh, that you know these these are the these are the sort of long term things. Right now they're they're kind of still in the uh, you know in the first skirmishes uh, effort where they're trying to stop it. And yes, there's gonna there, there's gonna have to be a lot of evolving um, effort here and decisions about how you're going to tackle the uh, the fight against these bugs and i mean are you going to really try to eradicate them maybe the maybe the state's thinking will change uh, maybe they're just going to decide that you know in a place like east hampton which you know is sort of isolated uh in terms of like the pine barrens because you know we're out here we've got vast swaths of woods that are majority oaks and white pines which White pines are what they recommend people replant um, if they're revegetating from the loss of pitch pines, because uh, while white pines will get infested with the beetles, they they seem to be uh, more resilient. They they uh, they don't die, and the bugs move on before the before the tree dies, and so uh, in a, you know that isn't that is an option. White pines don't grow like pitch pines. It's never going to be you know we're never going to have forests of pitch of white pines like we do out here. With pitch pines now, oak trees are much more, uh, you know, take over much more, uh, much more aggressively, and so that that is probably the future of our woods. You know, I don't know, you know, I, you know, in springs it's all oak trees for the most part, and I don't know if that was always the case or if that's just a matter of you know pine trees, the old growth pine trees were all cut down you know, hundreds of years ago and oaks are what are what grew back. But um, yeah. yeah, that's the uh, secession forest. I think the oak forest is what you would ultimately end up with. So right. um, and, and, you know, the, the pine barrens are sort of like an earlier stage. And that's why right. they'll inevitably turn into oak forests at some point out here. So right. that's interesting. So I didn't realize. So there aren't very many pitch pines or white pines out in springs then, huh? Uh, no, I mean, there's some, but but no, not not many. Most of those most of those woods in, um, you know, there's little stands here and there, but most of those woods in springs are, are oak trees, which is why the uh, which is why our water is so acidic and you have to have filters. So you're so you don't get right. green copper and lining in your tubs. Oh, I know um, that well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I so, say if you, could, if you could see this, I have green hair and yeah, all of exactly. my plumbing exactly. is rotting. Yeah, that's that's your oak. That's your deciduous oak forest for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's 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 the big remains to be seen future is how does this fight advance from here? Is it just a matter of cut them where you can try and convince homeowners that 
you know, if they've, if they've got healthy trees, uh, you know, and one of the things the town did, the town created a map that shows where the infestations are and they're going to update it now because what they're hoping to do is they're hoping to be able to go to a private homeowner and say, you know, you've got this house in, uh, in Wayne Scott down by the highway and you're kind of isolated from where there's other places that there's been infestation. So it would behoove you to cut down these trees and cut down the trees around it. And you might save some of the other trees that you have. If you, you know, if you, if you create a little, if you bore out a little hole in your property and cut those trees and replant them, some of the other trees that you have might survive. If you live out on Swamp Road and you're next to a giant piece of county property that has thousands of infested trees, you know, it's probably just time to decide that you're going to revegetate because you're going to lose, uh, you're going to lose most of those, most of those trees because the infestations are just there. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how it's going to go. And then, yeah, the whole idea of, of removing the debris is, uh, is something that's going to have to be decided. I mean, you know, we don't have a history of fires out here, but it's, and, you know, most trees that fall in the forest, they just sit there until they rot away. And that's perfectly fine. People that don't like having hundreds of trees or dozens of trees on their property, uh, which has already been an issue, you know, between some neighbors and between neighbors of some town properties where, you know, lots of trees were, were cut down and just left stacked up next to a access road or something like that. Um, you know, it's a matter of, and that's a matter of money and removing them is probably essential, but, uh, you know, that's, that's an aesthetic and a natural, uh, you know, a natural approach to what you want your woods to look like. So we'll, we'll see where that's going to go. It's, it's got a, there's a lot to shake out here still. <laughs> Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton, carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website, SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations. I mean, you can see the impact just driving down 114, like not even like getting into the woods, really. And you see some of those properties where it's just like all of the trees have been felled, um, yeah. you know. And yeah. Just- and those are, yeah, those are, those are the properties that the town and the state got at two years ago where they, where they really clear cut huge, yeah. huge areas because, you know, they, they, they hoped that that would work. And, uh, you know, may, it, maybe it did on those properties and the trees that are there around them aren't infested. I, you know, they haven't, they haven't detailed whether, you know, the areas that, that they did that very aggressive attack on have seen new infestations in close proximity. The fact that the fact that the infestations have spread to new areas would indicate that, you know, that's probably uh, the case that, you know, the bugs, the bugs moved where they could move. And that's kind of how they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to go where there's, where there's fuel. And, 
you know, the wildfire analogy is, is, is fitting. And, you know, these bugs are probably not the last one. I don't know, Brendan, you mentioned uh, some other, some other bug that's here now also that, you know, it's all, it's all because of the, you know, a little bit warmer winters is all it takes. Well, the bug that I'm concerned about is known as the spotted lanternfly. It's less to do with climate and more to do with uh, just people mismanaging imports uh, because this is an imported insect from Asia. And what you'll generally see happen is a pest in its native land can't overwhelm the native trees. They co-evolved and they learn to live with each other. The native trees have defenses against those pests. Then you take that pest and you bring it into another area where it's invasive. The native trees have no, no defensive uh, defenses to those pests and then they just get wiped out. So it's kind of the same principle that you see with the Southern pine beetle is it moves north. Um, there are species of pines in the north that don't have the defenses to the Southern pine beetle the way that pines in the south have defenses. Uh, they, they create, you were talking about them uh, um, putting sap out, they create pitch tubes and it's resin and it looks like little popcorn balls. And that's actually the tree trying to kill the beetles. So I was looking up what other defenses or predators there are to pine beetles. One of them is woodpeckers, which we have on Long Island, maybe not the right species, maybe not enough. And also the long-legged fly, which we do have on Long Island. They're these little green, cool looking flies and people probably see them and think they're like a mosquito and swat them, but actually they're predatory insects that will kill southern pine beetles as well as a lot of garden pests so if you see these cool looking metallic green small flies that are mosquito shaped they're actually beneficials if we could somehow get them to proliferate we could actually use them in a strategy to combat southern pine beetles they'll they'll do that on their own give give them food and they will propagate yeah and then we'll be like how do we get rid of these flies that was my thinking with the southern pine <laughs> right. beetle when you have an infestation usually the predator will follow it in. Yeah, right. Right. With the spotter lanternfly, that's more difficult because the predators of the spotter lanternfly live in Asia. At least right. with the southern pine beetle, the predators live in North America, so they actually have a means of getting here. So do we have that spotted lanternfly here in New York yet? We have it in New York. It has arrived on Long Island Every day on the Long Island Garden Group on Facebook, I'm seeing four or five people post an image that they killed one or just sharing the fact that they saw one. And these have infested Pennsylvania for a couple of years now. Wow. And they are concerned for a number of reasons, not just to what they'll do to the natural landscape, but what they could do to agriculture. Uh, yes, they attack certain trees, but they also really like hops and they really like Grapevines, uh -oh. two things that we have a lot of on the east end. So uh, this could be a really big concern once they reach the east end. Right now they're in Nassau County, so I'm assuming by next year they're going to be in Western Suffolk, and by the year after that they'll be on the east end, if not sooner. Yeah. Do uh, you know what's a really interesting backstory to look at if you're if you're interested in this kind of thing is the um, the mite that almost destroyed Fran France's wine crop in the 19th century. Um, really fascinating in that it was similar. The mite came on um, a, like a Concord grapevine from North America 
And of course, the, the Concord grapevine was able to fight it, but the French wine grape wines, uh, vines did not have any, um, any defenses to this. So that's how the French wine crop was almost destroyed, was by this mite from North America. Um, and now basically any bottle of wine that you buy from France is actually a grafted vine. So they ended up using American vines and grafted them to French wine vines in order to make them resilient to the mite. And that was how the French wine industry returned. So it's kind of interesting. Well, that's like the American chestnut tree. It was wiped out because we imported other chestnut trees that came with a plant disease that those chestnut trees could survive, but the American chestnut trees could not. So basically the message is number one, you should only really be planting truly native species and try not to introduce non-native yeah. species into our environment. And we should really continue or start to address climate change <laughs> or we're gonna keep seeing these kinds of things happen. And then wasn't there, I mean, that wasn't there an, an interesting DEC release that just went around yesterday about this new deer um, disease too that's coming. Did you see that? I did, which that's an interesting one because we have deer overpopulation. Yeah. And now the DEC is like, oh, there's an epizootic hemorrhagic disease that has arrived in Suffolk County. Hemorrhagic. 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 Say that again. Ep it, epi <laughs> epizootic or epizootic. Episodic. Episodic. Me meaning oh, in right. episodes. It's not episodic. <laughs> There's Z-O-O, -O, like a zoo where animals are. Oh, epizootic. Yeah, right, right, right. That's right, but that's that's epi episodic in nature. You thought I couldn't figure out how to say episodic, Mike? <laughs> Epizootic hemorrhagic disease. Is that right? Yes. That's so, right. so basically, this is something that only affects deer, um, right? And it's it's all. It looks like it's spread fairly widely throughout New York State at this point, including Suffolk County, right? Well, this is interesting because what if after all this money that we've spent paying people to cull deer or relying on uh, companies coming in and and spaying deer to reduce the population what if now a disease just comes in and kills 90 percent of the deer population i mean i hate to say it but it seems like that's sort of nature's way of dealing with a lot of overpopulation is like plagues and disease and you know so it seems like that's kind of the natural progression of nature's way of clearing out the herd, so to speak, right? It definitely is the case. And when you look at the use of pesticides, uh, what you'll see is they'll use a pesticide for a few years and it knocks down the population. But those pests that do survive are the ones that were resistant. So then what you end up having is a population of, of insects where 100% of the insects in that population now have a resistance to that pesticide. It's sort of like antibiotic resistance, you know, people that don't finish their antibiotics and then that bug becomes a super bug and then you can't control it. Yeah. Man. And I think that with the, um, with the, with the Southern pine beetle, I think I had read that it's only a matter of time before it keeps marching up even further North, like Nova Scotia, Maine, you know, think about all the pines that are up in those regions. So they're next on the hit list, I'm guessing. Yeah, we may, we may well be the Guinea pigs for, um, you know, how to, do you need to, how aggressive a first fight do you need to make when they first show up? 
do you need to just go and cut down everything in their path and, you know, try and stop them at some point? And, you know, it, you know, maybe if you hold them at bay long enough, nature will catch up. And, you know, like Brendan was talking about the, the predators and, uh, you know, an adaptation of the, of the trees to be able to resist them if you can, if you can hold them at bay and then stop them from spreading. But yeah, if, if, if global warming is, is, uh, you know, gonna, gonna spread mild winters into, uh, into Southern Maine and stuff, eventually these, these kind of things are going to find their, find their way there. Right. Yep. Well, with a spotter lanternfly, one of its host plants is another invasive species, which is called the tree of heaven, which grows rapidly. And when I learned about it, I started noticing it everywhere. But then something I learned is that the tree of heaven looks an awful lot like, like some native trees up until they mm -hmm. flower. So I think the tree of heaven, that's the, that's the tree of heaven is the predominant tree, like in the city, like, you know, it's kind of a, a, a tree that grows in Brooklyn, so to speak. Um, yeah, it yeah. grows fast and it's aggressive and it spreads vigorously. So it's hard to keep them, you know, it's, it's hard to get rid of all those trees and keep them gone because they'll come back yeah. in the blink of an eye. And then the spotter lanternfly love them. So you could wait till the spotter lanternfly get here and then try to eradicate the tree of heaven, or you could eradicate the tree of heaven now uh -huh. before the spotter lanternfly population can take hold. Yeah. All right, everybody, you have your marching orders. Go out there and kill some flies, but the spotted lanternfly, not the ones that- But not the cute not the, little green ones that, that look like the mosquitoes. Beetles. They're helping. That's Don't right. Oh, it's so complicated. <laughs> Make sure people know that's not the green flies that bite you at the beach. Kill those. No, okay. Oh. Kill them. <laughs> Talk about a futile, futile effort at eradication. All right, everybody. Be careful out there. Check your trees. And then call the East Hampton Town Office of Land Management. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sacharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.